Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to experience the Gut Check Project, talking science, health, and innovation that you can actually use. But this isn't just another health show. We're here to have fun and make your time enjoyable. Well, while you are enjoying yourself, know that even though the GCP covers some health topics with healthcare pros, we are not your doctors. So use our show to entertain your mind and not for medical advice. And now, here are your hosts of the Gut Check Project, Dr. Ken Brown and Eric Reed. Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. How are you doing today? I'm Eric Rieger, your host, joined by this awesome guy, Ken Brown. Dr. Ken, what's up? What's going on, Eric? How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Today on episode 81, we are going to be doing part two of our longevity supplements. If you did not see the first part, I uh, highly suggest you look at it because we're going to give you the secret of what to take to live to be 150. And so we're going to go over it. Last time we talked quite a bit. We got some other cool stuff, but this is the stuff that most people do actually need because we're going to learn that a lot of people are deficient in these things that are going to help you live longer. Yeah, without a doubt. And as he said, uh, this is the supplement part of longevity. If you didn't catch the first few episodes of longevity, there's some basic things that you need to do if you wish to protect your health and live a long time healthy so that you can enjoy a long life. So... That's the important thing, be around. Um, well, I was going to get into a bunch of stuff going on with me, but th something much more pressing is happening. And why are you wearing a hat? I'm wearing a hat today because Stephen took note that my grandpa name is not going to be Grandpa or Gramps. It's going to be Juice. <laughs> and so he got me this really cool hat. It has a fish on it. And he said, wear this when you teach your granddaughter how to fish. And on the side, it says, the real juice. So why juice? Okay. Funny story. Uh, not that I vape or that my kids do, but when the refill cartridges began to appear all over the place, there were all these signs that popped up that said e-juice and Gage and Max friends Im immediately glommed on to the fact that my name's Eric starts with an E and my nickname quickly became e-juice. Oh, and so Gage has continued to introduce me to all of his new friends at college as e-juice and that includes his fiance, who's having the baby. And she told me that my grandpa name is going to be Juice, maybe Papa Juice, but probably just Juice. <laughs> Papa Juice. That's I right. Liked it. Well, that's awesome. And the fact that you've already got a hat that symbolizes exactly what everybody should call you, that's awesome. We'll yeah. start calling you. So today on the Gut Check Project, episode 81, I am your host, Dr. Kenneth Brown, and my co-host, E-Juice. It's me, Juice. <laughs> I like it, though. That's awesome. I love it. Um, anything big going on in your life at all, besides the cool new hat that you wear? Anything big going on? I'm, I'm heading out uh, for Labor Day weekend to go visit the boys, taking some furniture out there. Um, other than that, I mean, honestly, there's some great things happening at KBS and Autron Teal and Autron Teal Pro. Yeah, we got a lot of really cool stuff going on. I love how... All the work that we've done with Atron Teal really fits into this whole longevity space. Sure, without question. Yeah, and we've it's talked about that. And Atron Teal Pro being just next level. So, um, me, it's pretty simple. Loida and Carla are going to go play a tournament in Houston, which leaves me and Lucas in town together, which is rare that he's not traveling. And I was tasked with, why don't you take him and get him a real wardrobe before he goes off to the University of Texas? <laughs> so, no so he's more. actually got a little style. I don't know. No, no Crocs and Bobolot shirts yeah, all day? Yeah, Crocs and Bobolot all day long. So, <laughs> And I feel bad because that's since he gets um, Bobolot 
shout out to Bobalot since Bobalot, uh, you know, gives him his wardrobe. They yeah. have a, he's gotten my size, so I get to wear all that stuff also. So. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So let's just jump right in because this is the final part. It's been a very exciting series. We've talked about longevity. Last episode, we went over longevity supplements that do very specific things like turning on the sirtuin pathway, sirtuin pathway, the cert pathway. Uh, we talked about things like resveratrol, green tea, and cabracho, which mm-hmm. is in Atrantil. Right. Now, the sirtuin pathway uh, causes autophagy, sick old cells to die. It causes mitophagy, sick old mitochondria to go away, and ultimately creates DNA repair. Really important. And then we also talked about how you can turn on the activated protein kinase pathway, the AMPK pathway using things like metformin and berberine, which that pathway helps with lipid metabolism and glucose control. So if you're anybody on a cholesterol medicine or you're on diabetes medicine, pay very close attention to that episode. Then we went over the really cool stuff of the NAD pathway. That NAD is a coenzyme that is uh, used by just about every cell in the body, but very specifically the sirtuin pathway needs lots of NAD. And we went into how nicotinamide riboside and nicotinamide mononucleotide Mm -hmm. increase the NAD, which essentially makes sure that all cells function well, and it is also the cofactor for the sirtuin pathway. So we explained what those things are in last episode. And then finally, we talked about something really cool and new called spermidine. Yeah, spermidine is pretty cool. Spermidine is really cool. And how, well, we actually produce a lot of it in our semen. But that's not the key part of it. It does a lot of really interesting things. This is amazing as an anti-aging product, an anti-aging molecule that we endogenously produce, but you can also take it exogenously. And it also helps with autophagy and stabilizing the epigenome. All super cool stuff. Now I wanted to cover and close the whole longevity series out with a few things that everyone's heard of, but I consider these to be essential because I myself was unaware of how many people lack in what I'm going to call these essential vitamins and different um, molecules. And it's not very long. There's just a few of them. You've heard of them, but we're going to go into big detail with them because it's kind of cool. Okay. I actually learned quite a bit. Probably on how to select them too, right? Um, a little bit on how to select them. I think that uh, that is could be in an episode in its own. Oh, okay. And because there's, the, uh, we'll talk about what people can do and where they can go to make their own decisions. Yeah. Because I don't want to bias people. This is a part where I've negotiated away a part of the show that didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started to look into it, then I just realized it, it, it's not. Um, there's probably more to it than just saying this okay. is the one you should take. Yeah. I'll tell you it. what I take. That's always that, that's probably the easiest way to go Fair for enough. it. So, um, all right. One of them, a vitamin. This is, we're going to turn this into a quiz show. Okay. Okay. There's lots of vitamins. Yes. This is a, you get to ask me questions like fat soluble, water soluble. Oh, is it fat soluble? It is fat soluble. Okay. So that narrows it down to A, D, E, and K. Correct. All right. And um, I will give you a hint. Uh You've heard a lot about it during COVID. It's got to be vitamin D. It is vitamin D. Ding, ding, ding. So vitamin D. Let's look at the basics. Okay. Vitamin D, it's also known as calciferol. This is a fat-soluble vitamin that Eric just pointed out. It's present in certain foods. It's available as a supplement. And actually, it's most known for being produced in our own bodies when UV light or sunlight hits our skin. So once it's in our bodies, the liver converts 
vitamin D to 25-hydroxy vitamin D, then there's another hydroxylation that happens in the kidneys and turns it into physi- physiologically active 125-dihydroxy vitamin D. Why did I bring those two up? Because that's really important. When you go to a doctor, and I see this all the time, if you go to a doctor and you like order labs, if you go to Quest or LabCorp, mm-hmm. they give you the option of 125 or 25. You can check either one. Okay. So many people come in and they're like, my vitamin D is fine and it's 125. I see this all the time. This is super important to understand 25 versus 125 because as it turns out, 125 is only around for a few hours. Oh. Yeah. So if you're going to check it while um, the 25 hydroxy vitamin D has a half light of 15 days. So the only way that you're going to become low in 125 is if you have absolutely zero 25 hydroxy vitamin D. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So when everybody was checking vitamin D because of COVID, there was that thing about how 78% of all the people admitted to the ICU were actually low in vitamin D. Sure. Well, a lot of people were like, no, I was fine. And then they would show it to me. It's 125. Then I would recheck it and they'd be low mm-hmm. in 25 hydroxy vitamin D. So I don't know why that's not discussed more or in, in the labs. People just order that. 125 is only around for a few hours and the kidney does that aspect of it when you need it. 25 is your baseline. It's kind of like, um, well, if you think of like iron, like ferritin stores, sure. you know, versus the iron floating around in the blood. So that's just a little tidbit. If you're going to get your vitamin D tested, make sure it's 25 hydroxy. Now we used to think that the levels only needed to be a little bit, but right now evidence is showing that for proper bone health and now we're believing that for proper immune health, it needs to be above 20 nanograms per mil. Don't worry about that nanogram per mil thing. That's just how it's always written, at least here in the US. Right. I think in European countries they do nanomoles, okay. but it's the same thing. Same you, thing. Can, you, yeah. you can kind of see this ratio of where it's at. So like we always talk about, supplements are there to supplement a good, healthy lifestyle. Right. So some foods have vitamin D naturally in it. Fatty fish has it beef liver, egg yolks, and interestingly, some mushrooms, specifically mushrooms if you expose them to UV light. Oh. It becomes D2. So there's, um, we had uh, Mason Bressett yeah. on the show, mm-hmm. a naturopath who's an expert in- Mycology? In mycology, correct. And he explained that. He said a really good thing to do when you get your mushrooms is as you're unloading the groceries, put all your mushrooms out in the sunlight. Right. It actually increases the amount of vitamin D in the mushrooms, which I thought was really cool. And then you can see that vitamin D is added to a lot of things. So it's added to milk, it's added to some other foods, yogurts and things like that. When I went to medical school, vitamin D was essential. We were all taught that you don't want to get rickets. Remember? <laughs> you don't want rickettsia. <laughs> you don't want rickettsia. That's brittle bones. And it's when you don't have um, enough vitamin D to put the calcium in the bones. Mm-hmm. So I was told that vitamin D is there to help with the calcium absorption and get it to our bones. Really cool. This is why I'm calling it a longevity supplement. I don't don't want to say vitamin because vitamin almost downplays it. This is a longevity necessity. Okay. This is not just a vitamin, but it actually acts like a hormone. It's vital for protein regulation. In fact, it's actually responsible for 5% of all protein regulation in our bodies. Vitamin D is. Vitamin D. I had no idea about yeah, that. That's quite a bit. It's because the more that we study it, uh, or the more that I'm not, we, I act like me, like yeah. the more that me and my lab people, no, <laughs> the more that Rhonda Patrick studies it and talks yeah. about it. 
and she lets me know that um, it actually regulates 5% of all protein regulation in our body. And as people, as we learn more about it, this is why vitamin D has gotten this resurgence. We know that it played a really critical role in COVID. It can act like an enzyme as well, and it'll actually convert tryptophan or help to convert tryptophan to serotonin. Yes. Which means it functions as a neuroregulator. Gotcha. I had no idea about that one either. So going back to, I can't remember what episode it was when you were talking about if you're going to use psychedelics mm-hmm. and how to prepare for it. Right. I think you need to add a little vitamin D to that regimen. I don't remember. Honestly, that, that slide that I made was pretty extensive and I cannot remember if we did talk about vitamin D on there. That was, that was new for me to learn about that. And we've heard about it a lot because it does happen to have um, a very key role. It is a key component to having a healthy immune system. Mm-hmm. Just if you look at the data on inflammatory bowel disease and the data on COVID, like I had mentioned, right. those that have low levels of vitamin D tend to have worse outcomes on both those things. So whenever I see an inflammatory bowel disease person, first thing I do is check 25 hydroxy vitamin D. That's one thing that we can sit there and do right off the bat. They did that study that was published that all those that had COVID ended up in the ICU. A huge majority were low in vitamin D. (coughs) And then this was really interesting to me. I had no idea about this, but the vitamin D plays a very uh, balance. It it helps in the balancing act of other uh, minerals. Like it, we know that it helps intestinal absorption of calcium, Mm -hmm. but it also helps for magnesium and phosphate as well. Why is this essential in, in this particular longevity series? A shocking thing is that 70%, 70% of us have below normal lab values. 70. 70%. That's a lot. That's that, a lot of processes to not be uh, adequately carried out also. It's, it's so crazy because it's so important and... I was like, it was just never made that important to me when I was, you know, studying, going through med school and residency and all that stuff. It was just, eh, don't let them get rickets, brother. I'm like, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's crazy though. You're talking about bone health. You're talking about immune health. You're talking about uh, uh, serotonin production. So that would be mood elevation as well as GI tract uh, motility. That's a lot of functions that, which are interdependent upon. Yeah. Oh, it's and protein one. synthesis. And protein both, synthesis. Yeah. yeah. Uh So vitamin D, it's always been like a very curious vitamin that people like to at least discuss because it's the only vitamin that our bodies can produce and they can produce it through the presence of sunlight like I talked about. So in winter months, this is one of the reasons why many people are deficient in places where you don't get sun in the winter, you're almost going to become vitamin D deficient. Yeah. And then not too long ago, this is something that was actually sort of discovered the darker you are naturally because of your genetics, yep. then the higher likelihood you will be to be vitamin D deficient. And you need more time. You need more time. Correct. Because you're anyways, we can get into the whole evolution aspect of that. But if mm-hmm. you were south of the equator and you had dark skin that protected you from skin cancer. Right. But it also prevented you from exposing your or getting enough exposure to produce your vitamin D. Right. So um, which would make sense that if you were north and like the northern European area and the winters were long, you just needed a little bit of time to produce that vitamin D. Small cheat trick. Um, you probably weren't planning on this, but you know, UVA and UVB light comes from the sun typically. 
And you need to absorb UVB to stimulate vitamin D production. UVA typically won't um, stimulate vitamin D production. So there are certain windows during the day, during the summer months, it's much wider. And then during the winter months, it gets much narrower uh, for UVB to penetrate and have someone who's outside give them the opportunity to produce vitamin D from the sunlight. And I know you can cheat if you want to. You can get an app called D-Minder. I really? use it. Really? You're yeah. kidding. Oh, it's and awesome. Every day it tells you from where your location is. D-Minder will tell you how many minutes and at what time of the day you need to go outside to get enough sun for vitamin D. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're saying that the windows block the UVB is what you're saying. Oh. So you have to go outside. Well, yeah. Actually, the windows, glass windows do block uh, UVB. But what I was saying is the window of opportunity to get UVB gets narrower and wider throughout the, the uh, turn of the seasons through the year. Wow, I took that term literal, didn't I? You did. And it still played into it. It did play into it. <laughs> I like that. It was fun. All right. So not only will the window block UVB, but your window of time. Yeah. You can get an app called what? D-Minder. D-Minder. Nice. I like that. Um, all right. So how much to take to get your 25-hydroxy vitamin D up? Well, everybody's going to be a little bit different. Um, color of skin and how much you get in your diet and all this. So first thing, go get it checked. It's super easy. Just yeah. have your doctor check your 25 hydroxy vitamin D. And then looking at that, depending where it's at, two people may take the same dose and have a completely different response. Right. So it's a matter of finding a dose and then rechecking it. And so, um, that's what we re- that there's no set recommendation of how much to actually take, but it would be a matter of taking what your doctor feels would be a nice starting place. Usually it's significantly, in my experience has been that it's significant. You can go significantly higher than you actually thought that you needed to. Like right. when I was taught, um, there are vitamin D toxicity aspects of it. Some people talk about the fact that if you have too much vitamin D, then you can, it, it affects your calcium situation. And then there's other toxicity things, but best I can tell there's no real vitamin D blood level. I found some stuff that said that if it's above 150, mm-hmm. we're getting into toxicity range. I found some other things that said you could start having problems if it's below 150, somewhere around hundred or whatever. But bottom line is you're checking it. You want to be, my personal thing is Definitely, you want to be above what the minimum is, which is 20. Like, sure. Aim for 30, 50, 60, 70. That's kind of where I'm trying to be at all times with mine. And most people would have to really kind of overly consume vitamin D to get those levels too, right? I take uh, I take 5,000 international units. It comes in international units. I take vitamin D3, 5,000 international units most nights uh whenever I remember. So at least let's just say five times a week. Mm-hmm. And mine is somewhere around 70 and has been for several years. And I like that. Nice. Like I'm, yeah, it's some would argue some endocrinologist is like, that's way too high. And I'm like, I feel good. <laughs> All right, James Brown. <laughs> so, um, one last thing is there's this concept of putting vitamin D with K2 vitamin K is another fat soluble vitamin. And vitamin K1 is part of the thing that really helps us clot. It appears that vitamin K2 works in, in conjunction with vitamin D to drive the calcium into, into the, the bones. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it drives it into the bones. So this is something that um, there's not a whole lot of human studies on, mm-hmm. but physiologically it seems to make sense. As long as you don't result in a hypercoagulable situation, sure. yeah. 
uh, then I think it's probably okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look more into that. I might even start taking D3 with K2 because some early data shows that not only does it do it in the bones mm-hmm. for osteoporosis, osteopenia, appears to do something in the vessels to increase elasticity so that the calcium does not line the endothelium. You know how you go get a calcium score at the yeah. doctor? Yeah. This would be one of those things that, at least in theory, I haven't reviewed the literature complete, or I, I'll be honest, I did a cursory review of this thing. Sure. But it seems pretty cool. I yeah. think we're going to have to bring a K2 expert on. All right. I know. And I know. I'll be like, Eric, did you find that K2 expert? You're like, totally. We're going to get into this. And it's going to be some dude that's just this badass skier that's like, skiing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. K2. K2 skis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's not the K2 expert I was looking for, buddy. <laughs> no. Probably not. <laughs> all right. So that's all I got for vitamin D. Any questions on vitamin D? I don't think so. I all think right. it's a, that's a great summary. Now, the other thing that I've learned a ton about, magnesium. First thing, this is shocking. 40% of the population does not get enough magnesium. Believe that. Really? I, I was kind of shocked on that one. I think you can even draw a correlation between those who have difficulty sleeping and those uh, who have mag deficiency. Yes, I can give you a reason for that. Go for it. Well, we will in a second. Okay. But first of all, this is super important, magnesium. Uh, You hear about it all the time. I did not realize that magnesium is involved in vitamin D metabolism. So being deficient in magnesium will be harder to get the proper amount of vitamin D. They're back and forth on this thing. Vitamin D helps absorb magnesium. Magnesium is there and helps vitamin D as well. It appears that magnesium is involved in ATP production, the energy in the cell, and in DNA repair enzymes. The sirtuin pathway that we just got done talking about, right. the, the AMPK pathway, magnesium is necessary to help with that NAD-stimulated sirtuin pathway. So you can be doing everything you want, but if you don't have proper magnesium, you can be fasting all the time and probably not get the proper benefits yeah, if you don't have the right magnesium. I know. So it is a cofactor in many enzymes throughout the body. So it's basically needed everywhere in the body. Uh, Rhonda Patrick actually did a podcast on this, and I learned that if you drink alcohol, there's a high likelihood that you are deficient in magnesium. Right. So now, like when I'm driving home from work and I see like a happy hour bar or something and the the parking lot's full, I'm like, they're all magnesium deficient. (laughs) (laughs) They're all magnesium deficient. So if I had a bar, I would have... um, N-acetylcysteine and magnesium as you walk out the door. Yeah. Just got to pop some. Uh, The interesting thing is that just by checking your magnesium, it actually might not be enough. Uh, If you talk to the functional medicine doctors, they'll say you need to check the RBC magnesium level, the red blood cell magnesium level, because that's the actual magnesium level that you can check that is the functional magnesium. Hmm. So it has to be transported by RBCs in order to be... I don't know. Ooh, I don't know about that. I think at least what it does say is that it's the magnesium that's, yes, I guess it would have to be transported because it's a magnesium that can be used in these different coenzyme pathways as the cells go around and deliver it. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting also that that you can actually check that. Um, So, okay, great. So you you run out and you go, I'm not going to be magnesium deficient. I drink and I just, I heard the podcast. I'm going to go out and grab it. This is the most common thing that I see is that you run out, you go to Walgreens and you go, oh, magnesium. You grab the magnesium that appears to be the best price or whatever, nicest label, something, whatever. And this is where it gets a little confusing. In fact, really confusing. Because if you just grab the cheapest one, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to grab magnesium oxide or magnesium citrate. So as it turns out, magnesium is chelated to something. You can't just take straight magnesium. 
Can I take a guess which one we got to have? Yeah, go ahead. Gluconate? <gasps> gluconate? Magnesium gluconate? That's one that you want? No, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing if that's one you're going to say. I was going to say, well, usually it's oxide and citrate. Okay. Are the, are the ones that are most abundant. Okay. Because they're cheaper. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that they're both very poorly absorbed. And so if it's poorly absorbed, it works like a laxative. Magnesium citrate. Yep. We use that a lot. Yeah. And so you can use magnesium oxide as a laxative. So I have a lot of patients that use magnesium mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom. There's multiple products out there that are that involve using magnesium oxide as a cleanse. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so they'll, they'll sit there and say that. So if you want to poop, magnesium oxide or magnesium citrate. Okay. Probably not going to absorb very much magnesium. So not the best way to go. But if you want to become a magnesium connoisseur, mm-hmm. so you go to the, you're at that cool bar that I now own. Okay. And they're like, well, I read some, I watched your podcast and I heard that I need magnesium. Then I would, we would call our magnesium connoisseur, which would be you now. That's and you would come weird. to the table. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd be like, what would you like to achieve with your magnesium experience? Just like a wine. You're like, what floral balance are you looking for and everything? So. This is where there's different types of magnesium. Okay. And they do different shit. It's yeah, cool. They do. Yeah. All right. So magnesium has to be chelated something. It has to be attached to something. Frequently, it's attached to a amino acid and amino acid and a. And. That's your mom. She, and. She taught English. And amino acid. And amino acid. There you go. And amino acid. Um, so let's, first one, magnesium glycinate. Okay. You will also see it as magnesium biglycinate. It's essentially the same thing. It's actually chelated to lysine, the amino acid lysine. I love this one because this is the Netflix and chill magnesium. Mm -hmm. It's um, the lysine helps you relax. It helps as a neurotransmitter and it's actually a component of collagen. So if you want healthy bones, cartilage and uh, skin and nails, then take some magnesium um, glycinate. It seems to work through these different mechanisms, but it seems to be a coagonist on the NMDA receptor, which is what helps us sleep well. Yeah. So if you're running, if you're you're feeling a little, like you really need a good night's sleep, you're gonna reach for magnesium glycinate. You know you're gonna take it, you go, I'm gonna bump my magnesium up, and I'm also going to get a great night's sleep. Interestingly, it actually lowers your core body temperature, which augments your ability to sleep. That would make sense though. So if you have trouble sleeping and you know that you need to get your magnesium up, you're going to take a, you're gonna pop a magnesium glycinate, you're gonna hop in the shower, make it super as hot as you can tolerate, Mm -hmm. do some breath work in there, come out, and by the time you get in bed, the the lysine has been separated, it has lowered your body temperature, the magnesium's helping all these cofactors that are going on, and you're just gonna drift off. It's gonna be amazing. That's nice. Yeah. Now there's magnesium taurate. This one is chelated to taurine. Okay. You've seen taurine in a lot of different energy drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, taurine is actually heavily concentrated in your brain, eyes, heart, and muscles. Recent evidence has shown that it does help the heart contract better and even lower blood pressure through increased stroke volume. The really cool part is that it is showing promise in muscle recovery and accelerated strength contraction. Taurine can actually may improve your physical performance by increasing the calcium storing ability of the sarcoplasmic reticulum. In other words, 
it helps actin and myosin contract. Yep. Now, uh, shout out to Lucas. Lucas was uh, playing a, a tournament in Florida, and he cramped in the semifinals of a match that uh, he was doing really well in and a really important really important tournament and then he came back and we were discussing cramping and everything yeah he said he's like i don't think it's as clear cut as sodium or chloride or water he's hey. like because if you look at how the muscle contracts it has to be something to do with the calcium when i showed him this he was like i was right yeah so now I'm like saying, all right, from now on, before you, uh, a couple days before you have a tournament, we're going to load up on some magnesium torate so that that's built up. Your magnesium will be up there. So in other words, if you're sweating a ton and you're sweating out magnesium, then the magnesium depletes, which is the electrolyte. And if the calcium, because of the magnesium calcium balance, can't come out of the cell, mm -hmm. the actin and myosin contract and the calcium can't leave to allow it to relax. It's fascinating. It's a little complicated, but it was cool as shit. Yeah. I was like, damn, this is so cool. So anyways, it, it, it can help improve physical performance. So glycine sleep, tolerate. If you're going to be playing a tennis tournament in Florida, we're going to sweat your ass off. <laughs> well, magnesium just repeatedly seems to be one of these great stabilizers. And uh, it's kind of like this great regulator to calm things down to help things work regularly. That's a lot of what you're describing. Yeah, like. both. Yeah, we can do regular from a pooping standpoint mm -hmm. and we can do regular on a cellular basis. Without question. Um, another one, magnesium malate. It was interesting because he, uh, Andrew Huberman, I refer to these people like I hang out with them all the time. I I'm thought, just like, I thought you, know, you did. So big, so big Hubie and I were talking. Yeah. <laughs> but he was doing Andy Hubes. Yeah, Andy Hubes. But <laughs> <laughs> well, he was he was actually talking about this, and since he hangs out in Stanford all the time, he's always bumping into people doing research. And he said that uh, he's like, yeah, so and so department of whatever said that magnesium malate, uh, where they attach malic acid to it, uh, magnesium malate is really good for the gut. Okay. I did not find a whole lot of stuff on that. But then again, he talks to people that are publishing, that are, are pre-published, mm -hmm. you know, somebody that's got, that has some data. So I'm going to really be interested on the role of magnesium malate in digestive health. But what I did find is that magnesium malate, this is the one that helps with transporting NAD from the cell cytolol to the mitochondria for cellular energy. Nice. NAD that we talked about last episode, why we use nicotinamide riboside and nicotide mononucleotide to increase NAD levels. Well, now magnesium malate helps shove that NAD into the cell so that the mitochondria can use it, which is the powerhouse of the cell. Wow. So, you know, we got uh, magnesium taurate for the the gross muscle movement, and now we got magnesium malate for the cellular endurance. In fact, it turns out that they've actually done studies on swimmers, and they have improved endurance mm -hmm. on those that were taking magnesium malate. Wow. Isn't that wild? It is. I mean, and it, the, the applications of magnesium and its formulation or whatever it's a salt with, whatever it's chelated with, it's kind of incredible how it changes its performance on how it gets to the tissue it needs to go to. Yeah. Well, um, anesthesia-wise um, or cardiac event-wise, I guess, someone who is experiencing torsades, you know, where you have the oh. the, the, the oh. rapid... Um, uh, Torsades de point. There you go. Explain that again to me, just in case I get asked on a board question. Um, well, I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> but, 
because I'm going to really butcher it right now. You know what I think is really funny? Somebody's going to turn on this like halfway through and be like, oh, man, I haven't seen this fishing show. And you're like, Tersad's to point. You're like, what kind of fish is that? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, effectively, the, you, when you look at the EKG, you'll see like these ebbs and flows of the uh, of the electrical conduction in the heart, and the heart is not really being effective at pumping at this point in time. And so, to gain uh, cardiac stability, uh, uh, the myofibers of the cardium, uh, you give mag sulfate, and it literally gives stability to the heart, and you fall back into rhythm and begin to pump. Oh wow. So magnesium sulfate being an IV form. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. But I just like the idea that we've gone through all these different formulations and what they've been chelated yeah. with or, or salt with because there really are different applications, even though they're all magnesium. Interesting. Um, yeah. So like they, there was actually a study in humans where it looked at the physical stamina and it minimized muscle damage during swimming. Yep. Giving magnesium malate. Um, one of my favorites that I've been a fan of for quite a while because... This one does have multiple studies, which does help to relax the brain and does help you to sleep, but it's called magnesium threonate. 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 Yeah, that's what I think I meant that instead of gluconate earlier, but yeah. Yeah, and I, there might be a gluconate. There's actually orotate and gluconate and chloride and these others, but these are the ones that um, for clinic for, for reasons clinically why we would want to have this for cellular sure. longevity, yeah. right? Uh, magnesium threonate, it's actually uh, magnesium L3 and 8. It's a synthesized form of magnesium. Mm. Chemically, it's a salt that forms when somebody combines magnesium with threonic acid. So it's not typically bound, chelated to an amino acid. Mm. This one is, a, is threonic acid, which is not an amino acid to my knowledge. And this acid is a product of the metabolic breakdown of vitamin C. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And it appears that magnesium 3 and 8 is the one that most easily crosses the blood-brain barrier. Right. Recent studies have shown that improvement in depression and mentation, along with evidence of inducing sleep. Great. Yeah. So magnesium 3 and 8 at nighttime, or even if you want to calm down a little bit, or you're a little bit sad and you want to think a little bit more, magnesium 3 and 8 crosses the blood-brain barrier. <laughs> Finally, the last one that I think that we need to talk about that's really important are our beautiful omega-3 fatty acids. Ooh, I love those. Yes. I love consuming them. Uh, yes. So omega-3 fatty acids. When we talk about omega-3s, what we're ta actually talking about are two of them, DHA mm -hmm. and EPA. Mm -hmm. And I do not remember what they stand for. Do you? Daha and EPA. Yes, that's right. So um, DHA, <laughs> Daha, and EPA, EPA. <laughs> are the omega-3 fatty acids that everybody's talking about. So whenever you see a TV commercial that says, you know, high in omega-3s, and just you can you can turn to your significant other and go, do you know what omega-3s are? They're the huh and apa. Ah. Yeah, and then you'll seem really smart. <laughs> yeah, everyone will buy it for sure. <laughs> All right, uh, omega-3s are super important in regulating the inflammatory pathway. Yeah. Uh, it also allows serotonin to be released because it helps with brain inflammation. Studies have shown that by taking omega-3s will really help oh, Kristen Villemuer. Mm. Kristen Villemuer, um, 
Biohack Your Brain author, she came on the show and she discussed in detail about omega-3s and how important it is for the brain. Right. And here what we do is we can see that the omega-3s decrease neuroinflammation, which ultimately allows the serotonin and the dopamine and the norepinephrine to function better. Because when you have inflammation, those downregulate. So it's really, really important for your brain. And because of that, by decreasing the inflammation, it actually improves neuroplasticity. So DHA and EPA help with neuroplasticity as well, keeping your brain young and evolving. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. All right. This is not very cool, though, which Uh-oh. is why I'm bringing this up. Okay. There is something called the omega-3 index, where you take a red blood cell uh-huh. And you see the total omega-3 in relation to all fatty acids. Oh. So you take the cell and you go, how many omega-3s are in all the fatty acids in this cell? Okay. And then you get a percentage. Americans, guess what the percentage is? Really low. How low? What do you think? Ooh. I, well, I don't know what we're after, so I'm just going to throw a number. Yeah. 2.7. Okay. Probably more accurate to what's really happening, but at least the study I found said 5%. Okay. Which is still low. Okay. Or low. You're like, well, how do you know it's low? Well, we do know this, that the incidence of cancer that we have, the incidence of dementia that we have, the incidence oh, of diabetes. Inflammation for sure. Is much higher than Japan. Yeah. And Japan's index is 10% on average. Yeah. And- I think that ours is probably more closer to what you're talking about, to be honest. Japan would be more in what they call the blue zone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to sit there and say, well, what's the omega-3 index in Okinawa? Mm. I bet you it's 20% or something even higher because that's all of Japan. Uh, And if you were to sit there and say, what is our non-blue zone, the southern United States that we talked about before that has some of the highest incidence of hypertension, diabetes, and cancer, Mm -hmm. I bet you it's more around the 2% that you're talking about. So So that's how come it's such an important thing. In fact, if you have a level that is 4% or lower, so the average is 5%, if you have a 4% or lower you have a five, a conditional five-year decrease in your lifespan by that wow. 1%. That's a lot. It's a lot. It even gets worse than that. Smokers with a high omega-3 index have the same lifespan as non-smokers with lower omega-3 indexes. Think about this. You're out there every day busting your ass, going out for your jog, Mm -hmm. doing all this stuff, but not taking in any omega-3s. And you run by that person that's sitting there smoking all the time, (laughs) chomping on some salmon every single morning. Salmon's good. Yeah, I know. You know, just eating some some salmon salmon sashimi for breakfast, having their morning smoke, and you're out there running, you're like, sucker. You and that person are going to live the exact same time, even though he's smoking, but he's got his omega-3s up. I mean, controlling inflammation is critically important, period. And omega-3s play a vital role in doing exactly that. 100%. So one thing to keep in mind when you're going to do this uh, red blood cell index, so if you, if, you, if you take one of your red blood cells and take it to the lab and go run an index on that thing, <laughs> the, um, it's being looked at in the red blood cells. So as we know, much like hemoglobin A1C, it takes 120 days to see the effect. Okay. So if you decide that you're going to increase 
your omega-3 consumption in different ways, um, foods, which fatty fishes and things like that, supplementation, a very good fish oil supplement, um, then you need 120 days of that before you can actually get a true index of what it is. Oh, okay. So that's where that is. Is that so, based on red blood cell lifespan? Red blood cell lifespan. You, you need that one red blood cell that, that was born mm. in the presence of omega-3. Yeah. And then at like 119 days before he goes, you want to examine it and go, <laughs> what, what do I got here? What do I have? So that's where it's at. Now, you had mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're going to talk about um, which ones to take. And I started thinking about it, and then I started feeling bad because what I do is I subscribe to, in fact, interact, you know what, rather than say it out here, if you listen to this or you're watching it on YouTube, um, hit us up. Yeah. Or share it with people and let us know. I'll tell you, I'll, we'll do an Instagram post, uh, just, uh, on Instagram, it's KBMD health. And, uh, Delaney has us now doing TikTok. Delaney's doing a great job on those Instagram videos. Yes, thank you, Delaney. Like I've, I've, I think that's awesome. Um, because I actually do have a premium subscription to, uh, both examine.com and consumerlabs.com. And I use those two. So examine.com shows you the human matrix studies that have been done in humans. Um, Gabrielle Fundaro is a PhD there. She is badass, super smart. And she's coming on the show at uh, the end of this month, uh, September 23rd, probably roll out a week after that. She's done some incredible stuff about talking about, well, okay, what is the science showing about candida or, or you know, candida overgrowth? We're going to talk about some different stuff. So it's all about science to her. And so at examine.com, they crush it with that. And then I look at the research on examine.com. Then you go to consumerlabs.com uh-huh. where they test the products. Yeah. And so all these products I'm talking about, except for the ones we talked about last episode, because I, I looked for some of those. And that was the one where I told you that I, I take the NMN double wood because that was consumer lab. said this is one of the only ones that actually has NMN. Sure. It. I chose my vitamin D based off that. Um, and I chose the different supplements based off that. So if you're interested, I don't want to do it on here because there's going to be a lot of different brands. that will be like, well, we didn't get reviewed. So, (laughs) you know, but if you're interested, I'll tell you um, what at least shows there and what I take. So what, what do I take for longevity? Uh, Many of you don't know this, but I'm actually 86 years old. And I think that uh, if you look at pictures of me 15 years ago, I looked 86. And after starting this regimen, you know, I think I really kind of got caught it in time, so to speak. That's kind of cool mm. because at 86, you look younger. And when you were 71, you looked 86. I like the, I like the matchup. Yeah. So, um, I was, uh, I was not eating my salmon sashimi while I was chain smoking <laughs> in the morning. So what do I take? I take Atron Teal Pro. Uh, this is kind of a no brainer. We talk about polyphenols all the time. I know that Atron Teal has the largest, most stable polyphenols. And by adding mega trio to it, I know that I can get the biggest bang for my buck, or basically I can hack the breakdown of it to get these anti-inflammatory metabolites. Right. So that one is a no-brainer there. Healthcare providers, or you can go to kbmdhealth.com. Um, it's really one of the only places to get Atrontil Pro outside of your healthcare provider. I take Broccoli Pro. Uh, we've had a whole episode there, and I do that because you said inflammation. Mm-hmm. That's the only product that I have found that has verified the sulforaphane content, and I want to decrease NF-kappa-beta, the inflammatory pathway, and increase NRF2, which is the anti-inflammatory pathway. Uh, to increase my NAD, I hedge my bet, 
as I was preparing for this, I ended up, you know, hedging my bet here, but I take True Niagen Pro, which is nicotinamide riboside, and I've recently added NMN. Mm-hmm. And I take a prescription metformin at night based on the data. If you don't have a prescription, you can look at the episode and also take berberine uh, to turn on my AMPK pathway. And I do take vitamin D3. I'm strongly considering shifting to D3 plus K2 after doing this. I'll, I'll read into that a little bit more. I do take fish oil daily. Um, I was taking a over-the-counter one, and then I've recently discovered a Zymogen brand that oh, has wow. some really cool data cool. on that. Yeah. And that one is traditionally a physician-only one, but we're working with the Zymogen people, and they are they got some really cool products. I'm probably going to start switching to a lot of these things over to Zymogen. I take magnesium 3 and 8 at night, and now I take magnesium glycinate at night. I also have ordered Taurate and Malate for the morning episodes. Now, I will have to check my red blood cell magnesium and my total magnesium to make mm-hmm. sure I'm not becoming magnesium toxic. I don't know if that's possible or what, but, <laughs> but there, that, that's kind of exciting. And guess what arrived in the mail? Ooh, I, I don't know. Double Wood Spermidine. Oh, yes. Yay. I ordered Spermidine based on our last show. Yay for everyone. Yes. So. Um, and whoever the donor was. Yeah. So. <laughs> Watch the episode to get that joke. <laughs> so there you have it. That's what I take. Um, I think that knowing why you're taking something is super important. And that's uh, now that you can sit there and say, well, why? Uh, when somebody says, why do you take these supplements? You go, well, I take that one because 40% of the population is low in this. 70% of the population is low in this. I had my levels checked and now I know I need that. And then over here, I'm doing this so that I can increase my APNK and I do this to increase my NAD and this turns on the sirtuin pathway and there you go. People will just go, okay, it sounds like you know what's going on. Reasons make better practice, I think. Absolutely. And that is the finale to our longevity series. Thank y'all so much for being a part of it and all the feedback that we've gotten so far. Uh, it's been a lot of fun actually to talk about it and break it down like this. I, I bet we revisit it as new information comes in, but um, be sure and go back to episode 74. Is that the first? We probably uh, should look that up. Yeah, we probably should look that up. Well, you a can few look episodes, it up. Yeah, just go, just go look it up. They're back there. We started the longevity series. We talked about all kinds of stuff, poop and foundational stuff. And we talked about cool stuff like exosomes and stem cells. We covered just about it. I feel like we've covered the full gamut here. Yeah. Definitely. So, and I think this is the one thing that I love about this podcast. I've actually changed um, several things about what I've done. Yeah. Just based on doing the homework for this kind of stuff. So there you have it. That's going to be episode number 81. Thank you all so much for tuning into the Gut Check Project. Be sure to like and share this episode or any other episode if you feel like somebody might benefit from hanging out with us for a little bit. We'll see you all next time. But for real, you don't want people to get old. You don't want to get old. Look at the episodes and share them and uh, give me some feedback so we can get better. Keep getting better. I'm going to say but for real because I like that. (laughs) 
All right, everybody, episode 81. That's a wrap for this episode of the Gut Check Project, and we appreciate you for being a part of it. Be sure to follow us on your favorite platform for podcasts. You can find the GCP on Locals, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, and more. And you can always check out gutcheckproject.com to find all episodes and interact with the show. Tell your friends and family not to wait to get Gut Checked.